My name is Al Getz, Rogue Wrestling Historian. This month on Wrestling History Mysteries, I am going to look at a man, or is it men, who wrestled briefly in Florida in 1972. This isn't a particularly big mystery. There are no shocking twists and turns like the recent episodes of this podcast covering Mr. Zabo, but this is more an exercise in how to properly vet information when something doesn't quite seem right. And in this case, the two major online results aggregators have differing opinions as to who this wrestler, or wrestlers, was. So buckle up and get comfortable as I solve a very small wrestling history mystery. On Monday, October 16, 1972, Championship Wrestling from Florida held their weekly card in Orlando, and the advertisement for the card listed a newcomer named Tito Montez in the opening match, taking on Phil Bremmett. Results for that card, however, state that Carlos Montez wrestled and defeated Bremmett. The next night in Fort Myers, the ad lists Tito Montez facing Corsica Jean in the opener, while results state that Corsica actually wrestled Carlos Montez to a draw. Now, over the last few years, I've looked at literally thousands of house show advertisements placed in local newspapers, as well as read thousands of articles previewing the show and results printed in the paper the following day. On numerous occasions, I've seen a wrestler listed with an incorrect name for their first few appearances, but by the following week it gets corrected. Two such examples of this are, number one, when Frankie Kane went to Central States in early 1971. He was using the Great Mephisto gimmick at this time, but the earliest ads for him in that territory listed him as Frankie Kane. In Sedalia, Missouri on January 12th, he's advertised ahead of the show as Frankie, but in the results, he's billed as Mephisto. So we can speculate that there was a miscommunication between Frankie and the office where they didn't realize he was going to use the Mephisto gimmick and originally listed him under his real name. But once they realized he was going to be using a different gimmick, the updated newspaper ads for the following week corrected that. The second such scenario happened in November 1959 when a wrestler named Comrade Kozlov was advertised for a few shows in Leroy McGurk's territory, but at showtime, he was billed as Soldat Gorky. Now, this was Walter Allen, who is probably better known as the Alaskan Wolfman or John Wolfman Smith. After a week where the ads billed Kozlov and the results billed Gorky, the following week's ads billed him correctly as Gorky from that point forward. In this situation, we can speculate that Walter planned to come in with a Russian gimmick, but the exact name was changed at some point shortly before he debuted, but after the advertising materials were already sent to the newspapers. So far, the situation with Mr. Montez in Florida looks like a similar scenario, where some sort of mix-up happened and Mr. Montez was initially advertised as Tito Montez, even though he was actually using the ring name of Carlos Montez. 
But that doesn't explain what happened the next night in Miami Beach, where results for the Wednesday night card list Tito Montez as defeating Phil Robley, who was Buck Robley. And from that point on, the name this Mr. Montez is billed under varied based on the city. Advertisements in Jacksonville, Lakeland, Melbourne, and Orlando all billed this wrestler with the name Carlos Montez, while the other towns, Fort Myers, Fort Lauderdale, Miami Beach, Palatka, Tallahassee, Tampa, and West Palm Beach, billed a wrestler with the name of Tito Montez. And when we have results, aside from those first two nights, whatever name was advertised is the name listed in the results. So if he was advertised as Carlos Montez, results bill him as Carlos. And if he was billed as Tito, results list him as Tito. So the first question we need to ask is this. Could it have been two different guys? Could Tito Montez and Carlo Montez have both been in Florida at the same time, in October and November of 1972? Of course, anything is possible, but let's try and use logic and facts to answer this question. If you combine the bookings of Carlos and Tito, there are 24 total bookings over a 40-day period for Mr. Montez. So he's booked an average of four nights a week. Looking at the rest of the crew working in the territory at that time, that number is fairly in line with the other preliminary wrestlers in the crew. If you've listened to my Charting the Territories podcast, We've discussed that preliminary wrestlers in many territories were not booked as often as the wrestlers higher up on the cards. The other preliminary wrestlers in Florida at this time included Joe Nova, John Wolfman-Smith, Ed Wiskoski, Jack Evans, Mike George, and Scott Casey. All of these wrestlers were all booked somewhere between 3 and 4.3 nights a week on average. If Tito and Carlos had been two separate wrestlers, then Tito would have been booked 2.7 nights per week and Carlos 1.3. There were only two wrestlers in the territory with numbers in that range. One of them was Corsica Jean, who was a 52-year-old veteran ending his 30-plus year-long career. He actually retired from the ring the following year. And the other was Smasher Sloan, who was in the process of being finished up here and, as is often the case, He was given less bookings and lower-profile matches as a way of expediting his departure from the territory. So I can't quite buy that two wrestlers would have such a small number of bookings during a six-week run here. Four bookings per week seems to fit better, as it's more in line with the schedules of the other preliminary wrestlers in this territory at this time. Furthermore, there is never a night where Tito Montez and Carlos Montez are both booked, either in the same town or in different towns. Now, call me crazy, but if I had one wrestler named Carlos Montez and one named Tito Montez in the same territory at the same time, and both of them were preliminary babyfaces, which was the case here, I'd probably team them up at least once or twice and perhaps pass them off as brothers. And even aside from that, the likelihood of two wrestlers never both being booked on the same night is extremely low. So taking all these facts and assumptions into consideration It is highly unlikely that Tito and Carlos are two different wrestlers who both happen to be wrestling in Florida at the same time. So that means some of the towns got it wrong. Why? Who knows? And again, since the results seem to, you know, list both Tito and Carlos depending on the town, we don't really know what name was announced to the fans by the ring announcer at the show. 
Uh, for some reason, they might have decided to call him Tito in some towns and Carlos in others. It's also possible this was based on who the local promoters for those towns were. But the next step in my research process is to look and see if there are indeed wrestlers who use the ring names Tito Montez and or Carlos Montez and attempt to track their whereabouts. Now, this could just as easily have been the first step, but in this case, I purposely chose a different approach because I wanted to get that first step out of the way. It's when we do the second step that we're really going to find some detailed, uh, some details that give us the answer. But we also want to show all the different steps that a researcher can take in a case like this. There is a wrestler who used the ring name of Tito Montez, and there is a wrestler who used the ring name of Carlos Montez. And both men were active in 1972. So let's start with Carlos Montez. Carlos does not seem to have had a significant in-ring career. In fact, he doesn't have a profile on either WrestlingData.com or CageMatch.net, the two main results aggregators for professional wrestling. In 1970 and 1971, Carlos is in and out of the Goulas territory, generally wrestling for a few months at a time and then leaving. Now, it's always possible when he's not there, he's wrestling under a mask, either for Goulas or Gulf Coast or some other territory. In 1972, he finished up for Goulas in early July, and then the name Carlos Montez pops up on a couple of shows in Ontario, Canada over the summer. I can't confirm that it's the same person, but it's certainly possible, as Carlos's name doesn't show up anywhere else. After August, there are no records of Carlos Montez wrestling anywhere until Mr. Montez pops up in Florida. And afterwards, the next records of him wrestling are in March 1973, when he's back wrestling for Goulas. So there are no conflicts where Carlos is confirmed to be wrestling somewhere else at the same time Mr. Montez is wrestling in Florida. So it could be him. As for Tito Montez... His name has actually come up in a previous episode of Wrestling History Mysteries. Tito, real name Edward Montemayor, also used the ring name of Eddie Sullivan in some territories. And in June 2021, the second episode of this Wrestling History Mysteries podcast looked at three different wrestlers who had used the name of Eddie Sullivan at various times and attempted to pinpoint their whereabouts in early 1973. While it's probably just a coincidence that Tito has popped up again in a wrestling history mystery, it's worth making a mental note. Perhaps at some point in the future, I will do a very deep dive into his career and see if there are any other times where I can raise questions about his whereabouts and what the current historical record says about him. But for now, my only goal is to see if I can place him anywhere besides Florida in October and November of 1972. Because if I can then we can exclude him as a suspect and pretty much confirm that the wrestler working in Florida at this time was the wrestler known as Carlos Montez. For most of his career, Edward Montemayor went back and forth between the Pacific Northwest and Arizona. He was one of the bigger stars in Arizona in the 1960s, whereas in Portland he slotted a little lower on the cards. And of course, like so many other wrestlers, he had brief stints in other territories as well, including East Texas, the McGurk Territory, and NWA Hollywood in Southern California. In January 1972, Montemayor arrives in the Pacific Northwest to begin one of his many stints there uh, using the name Tito Montez. He stayed there through the summer and finished up in early October. His last confirmed date was October 9th, when he wrestled in Vancouver. Now, at this time, the Portland and Vancouver offices often book talent from each other's crews. 
Recall that the Mr. Montez in Florida's first appearance was October 16th. So it is very possible that a wrestler finished up in the Northwest on October 9th, took a few days to drive cross-country, and set up shop in Florida a week later. And if we can't find Tito's name anywhere else in October and November, this mystery may indeed go unsolved, as it still could be either Carlos or Tito, and if we're being honest, there's still the teeny tiny possibility that they were both here at the same time. Thankfully, that is not the case. After finishing up in the Northwest, Tito went back to Arizona. He is advertised for a show in Casa Grande, Arizona on October 14th, and from that point on appears to be wrestling regularly in the territory through early 1973. Now, records from Arizona are not particularly complete, and there aren't a whole lot of results. In fact, I can't find a single date where I can absolutely positively confirm that Tito wrestled in Arizona and Mr. Montez was confirmed to be wrestling in Florida. But let's add a pretty reasonable assumption to the mix. Florida is not flying Tito Montez in to work preliminary matches. And while Tito is a big star in Arizona, that territory is small enough that it makes no sense for them to be footing the bill for airfare to allow Tito to go back and forth. So I think we can safely say that Tito could not have been Mr. Montez in Florida. Ergo, the most likely suspect is Carlos Montez, and I think it's safe to say that this wrestler that worked in Florida for 40 days in late 1972, despite being billed as Tito in some towns and Carlos in others, was Carlos Montez the whole way through. Now that we seem to have solved this mystery, let's go back to something I mentioned earlier in this podcast. The two main results aggregators for Pro Wrestling Online, WrestlingData.com and CageMatch.net. Now, both of them have their strong points. I found that Wrestling Data is better for older stuff, whereas CageMatch seems to be more complete for the modern era, independent promotions in particular. But both of them are far less complete than you may think, and both of them have a small percentage of incorrect info. This can be as simple as an incorrect date, but there are a lot of times that wrestlers are incorrectly identified, and past episodes of this podcast have discussed situations like that. And in the cases where my research could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that wrestling data had incorrect info, they've been very good at updating their site. In the case of Mr. Montez, wrestling data has it properly credited to Carlos Montez. Cage Match, however, does not. They list all of the matches in Florida as involving Tito Montez. It's important to say I can understand why this mistake was made. Most of the Florida ads list Tito Montez. About two-thirds of them are billed as Tito and one-third as Carlos. And Tito had a lengthy enough career that his name is familiar to the historians who work on that site, whereas Carlos's name, probably not. So it's an honest mistake on the part of Cage Match, but hopefully one they are open to correcting when presented with this information. And that's one of the most important aspects of being a wrestling historian, which apparently I now am. We're going to get things wrong. If an advertisement says that Tito Montez is booked to wrestle a match in Florida, and the results after the show say that Tito wrestled, it's perfectly reasonable to believe what you read. The only way to know that it almost certainly couldn't have been Tito was if you simultaneously check the records for Arizona which aren't necessarily readily available, to see that Tito was booked in that area at the same time. 
I once said on Twitter that it's almost impossible to be an expert on one wrestling territory. To get it right, you have to be familiar enough with most or all of the other territories, not just that one. This way, you can avoid situations like this, where it seems like Tito Montez is wrestling in Florida, but as it turns out, he isn't. Nobody ever really kept records of this stuff at the time it happened. And let's be clear, most wrestling territories didn't want such records to be kept, as it would reveal how they repeated angles, finishes, and title changes in different towns, and part of their business model was based on convincing the fans in one city that what was happening in their town at their local wrestling show was of vital importance, when in reality it was just one stop in a never-ending soap opera where things were often repeated. Because of this, we now have to rely on a patchwork of information compiled by various people at various times, some of whom may have had a lower threshold for accuracy than others, and some of whom spent less time vetting the info they received than others. So good info is intertwined with bad info, and with literally millions of data points, it becomes increasingly difficult to untangle the good from the bad, almost as if you're trying to be a shepherd separating the good from the bad. But I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Thanks for listening to Wrestling History Mysteries. You can reach me on Twitter at AlGetsWrestling, A-L-G-E-T-Z, Wrestling, with any questions you have about anything discussed on the podcast. Wrestling History Mysteries, part of the Charting the Territories podcast feed, can be found wherever you get your favorite podcasts and at ChartingTheTerritories.com.